helping men to live their Catholic faith boldly. This is Men of Christ Radio on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. Powerful and inspiring conversations with Catholic speakers and leaders about your family, your parish, your nation, your world, and what you, as a man of Christ, can do about it. Greetings, greetings, everyone, and welcome to Men of Christ Radio. My name is Brian Farley, your humble host, and this is our radio show for Men of Christ, which is a, a lay Catholic layman's apostolate based in the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area, but we've been radiating out all throughout Wisconsin and into Illinois, throughout the Midwest. We've got fans and friends all around the country, actually. Our, our, our main function is a uh, an annual conference, uh, which takes place in the spring, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that in, in a minute here. But who we have today is our guest. Very exciting to me. I know I always say that, but it's true. And this week is one of my favorite writers, and now he's one of my favorite speakers. I had the pleasure of going to the Pro-Life Wisconsin Gala last weekend, and a gentleman by the name of Matt Walsh was the keynote speaker. And Matt, many of you probably know of him, he's a writer, and he writes for TheBlaze.com, or I should say TheBlaze.com carries his column. He also has his own blog, TheMattWalshBlog.com, and Matt is known, he's known as a conservative writer, but really the term is as it is in a lot of ways, it's too narrow of a term for him. He is a he's one of these kind of a prophet. He really sees the truth of an issue and expresses it beautifully, powerfully, and with a lot of humor, too. So it's he's among my favorites. I like Jonah Goldberg and other columnists along those lines who can express truth powerfully, but also make it really pretty fun to read, too. So anyway, Matt, not only a great writer, is a great speaker. He's going to be joining us later on in today's show, talking primarily about the abortion issue and what it does to, well, obviously, to helpless children, what it does to women, and what it does to men, which is a largely unexplored area. And he's got some great insights on that. He recently wrote a blog post called Real Men Are Pro-Life and really delved into that area of of what so-called pro-choice men are doing to themselves, to their masculinity, to our culture. So do please stick around. Now, again, men of Christ, those of you not familiar with us, Catholic Laymen's Apostolate, our main conference happens every spring this year. It's going to be happening April 1st, 2017, and it's going to happen in the Milwaukee Theater in downtown Milwaukee. And it's a fantastic event. We have, as with many men's conferences around, we have speakers we have confession, we have mass, we have adoration, we have vendors, but ours is one of the biggest, and and I would say the best. We have about 2,500 to 3,000 guys come to ours, and we've been around, this will be our 11th annual conference, and we've inspired a lot of others. There's one now, Invictus Christus, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I believe it's the Grand Rapids, Michigan area. They popped up, inspired by Men of Christ. It helps that the starter of Invictus Christus is Darren O'Brien, who is the brother of Kevin O'Brien, who is president of our organization, Men of Christ. But they get along quite well, and they're doing a fantastic job out there. Michael Voris just started a men's conference in his area. I think that's also the Detroit area. So that's popped up. There's a new one up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. There's a new one in Seattle, Washington, Texas. They're coming up everywhere. And it's interesting that they are coming up. I think they're spontaneously developing to address a real need 
in the, in the church, and that is the the there's mass apostasy of all demographics, but most especially men. And this is a, is a serious problem. One of our guests in the future is going to be a guy named Matt Kristoff, who's analyzed this quite a bit, the impact of men leaving the church and what that does to families and to young people and to the church and really the culture as well. And we've been doing some research in that area ourselves, but more on that all later. Our conference, we have a theme every year. This year, the theme is obedience amid the rebellion. Sounds very dramatic. What does it mean? Obedience to who? What rebellion? What are you talking about? Well, obedience to God Almighty, obviously. Obedience is not a very popular concept in our modern American culture. Many people reject that. No rules. Do what I want. Leave me alone. Nobody tells me what to do. Yeah, you can see where that's all gotten us by rejecting sense of authentic obedience to God Almighty. We've really gone quite horribly astray. So that's the, what we mean by obedience. And, and the idea that in obedience to God and his law, his commandments, his precepts, is where we find our fulfillment and our true joy. And there's some psalms in there. This isn't just a New Age concept. This is ancient. This goes back certainly to the Old Testament. A couple of psalms that I've encountered in developing this, this theme or thinking about this theme. Psalm 19, the judgments of the Lord are true and all of them are just. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The decree of the Lord is trustworthy, giving wisdom to the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. It's interesting, this, this idea that, wow, this law actually makes me happy in this era. That's, that's a seems a contrary way of thinking. Another psalm, Psalm 119, Lord, I love your commands, how I love your law, O Lord. It is my meditation all day. Your command has made me wiser than my enemies. I have more understanding than all my teachers when your decrees are my meditation. So I think that's a really healthy concept for men in particular, modern men, who, again, the, the whole concept of obedience to anything has been so poisoned in, in many of our minds to kind of reacquaint ourselves with this concept is a, is a, a very strange new experience, but, but healthy and refreshing. And certainly in the New Testament, uh, Christ makes it really quite clear he says in the Gospel of John, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So people say, well, how do you show you love God? Well, you show you love God by obeying him. And it's not all that unclear how to do that. I mean, the, 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 <laughs> the commandments, the, the precepts are all really pretty well laid out there. It's not that much of a mystery. The other part of our theme, obedience amid the rebellion. Well, what rebellion? Well, I would say, look around. You know, uh, to anyone with even a moderately Christian outlook, you can see what's going on in our world, certainly in terms of the family, the contraception, divorce, abortion, the whole mockery of marriage through the same-sex marriage revolution and all of this. Now we have, you know, polygamy becoming more and more accepted. Soon we'll probably have man-child love marriages being proposed. This is culture of death on many, many levels. And it's a rebellion against God and against human nature and against common sense. And we used to be able to laugh it off. I know back in the day I did too. Like, oh, it's no big deal. Yeah, yeah. Society's going to hell, whatever. 
it isn't funny anymore. I mean, and certainly when you have your own kids, you realize this has got to stop. And not sure how to do that, but I'm going to do whatever I can to try and make it stop. And that's what Men of Christ is all about and what we're all trying to do is do what we can to stop this decline, this rebellion. So anyway, it feeds into our theme, and we hope that through our speakers, who are Dr. Scott Hahn, Jason Everett, and Jesse Romero, we hope that through them we'll be able to really deliver this message powerfully on a lot of levels. Dr. Scott Hahn, it's like, okay, well, St. Thomas Aquinas isn't available, so we'll go with Dr. Scott Hahn. In my mind, he's one of the great doctors of the church. He will be considered so. He's just a fantastic mind, brings theology into the common world and really makes sense of it. Jason Everett is a great speaker on theology of the body and chastity. Not only will we have him speaking at our conference, but he's going to be going around to several area high schools to talk to teenagers about chastity. So I think that's pretty important, and God bless him for that. And then Jesse Romero is just a great firebrand culture warrior, gets you pumped up to, to, to be to, to fight what's wrong with our culture. There's a lot of good in our culture, but there's also a lot really wrong with our culture, certainly from a Catholic perspective. And a guy like Jesse will really get us pumped up about doing what we need to do to turn things around as best as possible. So that's a kind of an overview of what we have coming up at our conference in spring, which is really very, very exciting. Now, what I want to do is take a quick break, and then, yeah, we're going to get our guest, Mr. Matt Walsh, on the phone, and he's going to talk to us about his talk at the Pro-Life Wisconsin Gala and about the whole issue of abortion and its effects on men, women, and children. So do stick around on Men of Christ Radio. We'll be right back after these important messages. Hello, I'm Father James Kubicki, the U.S. Director of the Apostleship of Prayer, and I ask you to support Catholic Radio in your area because Catholic Radio is the way that we can get the word out today. It's Catholic evangelization at its best, and I've heard conversion stories all over the place because of people who have tuned in as they're driving or in their homes, listening to Catholic Radio by accident and the Lord touching their hearts through the message they heard. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois, 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MATT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore reminds you that Advent begins on Sunday, November 27th. What are you doing to help your family prepare the way of the Lord? 
Holy Family is your local resource for Advent devotionals with daily prayers and readings, children's books, Advent wreaths and candles, and a large assortment of Advent calendars. And all our Advent calendars emphasize the true meaning of the season, with scripture verses and pictures depicting the nativity. Even the calendars with little chocolate surprises for the kids can be used to teach them about the birth of our Savior. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. Did you know that you can listen to WSFI local programming on demand? Full episodes of Pro-Life Today, WSFI Spotlight, Healing the Whole Person, Bursting Forth in Sound, along with our novenas, prayers, and devotions are available on your mobile device or online. For iPhone and iPad users, open the already installed podcast app and search for WSFI. Then click subscribe. Android users need to visit the Google Play Store, download the Stitcher app, create a free account, then search for WSFI. Add us to your favorites playlist by clicking the plus sign in the upper right-hand corner of the screen. The full archive of local shows is also available at WSFIRadio.org. Need help? Call us at 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. All right, we're back on Men of Christ Radio on WSFI, Catholic Radio 88.5. And joining me now, I'm very pleased to have Mr. Matt Walsh. Again, Matt spoke at the Pro-Life Wisconsin Gala last weekend and was fantastic. I had always found him to be an incredible writer, and now I realize he's also a great speaker, as you'll see here in moments yourself. Matt, thanks a lot for being with us. Great to be here. Thank you. Now, do you do you do speak at a lot of pro-life events around the country, or I do a fair amount. It's been kind of picking up recently, but in the last in the last couple of months, I've, I've done probably about one a week, and I'll do kind of the fundraiser sort of things, like I like we did in Milwaukee, and then also, you know, I, I enjoy when I have the chance to go speak on uh, college campuses, which I've done several times uh, on the pro-life issue. Wow, I'm surprised there's any that allow you to do that, but I'm, I'm glad to hear that they do. It's getting to be harder and harder. Now, you, your talk at the uh, Pro-Life Wisconsin Gala was, was really inspiring. And one of the key points you made, I believe right right at the top, was that, that abortion really is is the defining issue of our, our era. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? What, what makes it the, the defining issue of our day? Well, because it gets right down to the essential question of the value of human life. And so, like I talked about in the, in the speech, of abortion is an attack on not just on the individual lives, the children that are, that are killed, although it is that, of course, as well. So if you look just at the sheer the, the statistics, if you look just at the, the death toll, uh, you're not going to find anything else that's as big a threat to individual lives with a million children killed every year through abortion in just the the United States and then 50 million across the world. So these are staggering numbers. But then on top of that, it's, it's also an attack on the dignity of life itself on, on the value and dignity and purpose of life. And so it's kind of hard to 
to sort of move on from this issue and, and talk about others, just kind of putting this to the side, because until we've established that human life is meaningful and intrinsically sacred and it has dignity and worth, until we've established that, then no, no other issue really matters. And so that's why we have to focus on this and get people and get people you know, paying attention to it and come up with some answers on this issue, because then that frames the debate for any other conversation we want to have. OK, yeah, because, I mean, I'm in a situation where I'm surrounded by uh, and a lot of us are you know, social justice Catholics or so-called social justice Catholics. And they say, well, abortion, yeah, it's bad, but it's just part of the larger pro-life equation. You've got equally important things of immigration and poverty and the death penalty and the rights of the LGBTQ community. I, I, do you encounter that? And if so, how do you how do you address that? Well, some of those issues are are important. Of course, if we're, if we're saying the rights of the LG, the so-called LGBT community, if that includes the, 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 the nonsensical right to gay marriage, then that's, you know, that is an important issue, but on the, in the sense of, of trying to resist that. Right. But as far as immigration and capital punishment, I mean, these, of course, are also important issues, and they, and, they, and they do speak to the dignity and value of human life. However, people can, especially in something like immigration, people can arrive at different conclusions. We have, we have to start at the same basic starting point, that human life has dignity and value, and that all people should be treated that way with respect. That's the basic starting point on those issues. But how exactly we work that into policy, people can have different opinions. It's not a matter of intrinsic morality that you, that you have to be open borders or you have to be, you know, hardline immigration enforcer type. Abortion, on the other hand, is, is, is a fundamental issue. So whereas these other issues, you start with the fundamental issue of, of the, the value of human life and then you move on from there. Abortion, that is the entire issue, is the, the value of, of of uh, human life. So I, I don't, I don't see them as, as issues of equal importance. And then if you want to move on, like I said, if you just look at the, at the, the brutality and the death toll of abortion, you're not going to find that repeated in any of these, any of these other issues. So I, I think that they're important, but I don't see how they're as important. I, I would certainly agree. And I, to me, that's one of those arguments that it, it's so baffling when you encounter it because at its base, it's, it's so to me, incomparable. I mean, you're talking about literally genocide versus difficult legal situations. You know, I mean, there's just, there's really no comparison, but it, it's so common. You kind of start buying the argument yourself, or I, I have. And so it's, it's, it's refreshing to hear someone like you say, no, well, there is an in, intrinsic evil in abortion that doesn't exist in the others. The others, there's, there's difficulties and justice issues, perhaps. I do, I do think we should have a, we should have a consistent pro-life ethic. So if we, if we say that we're pro-life when it comes to abortion, then that's a principle, a standard that should apply across the board. And that does have implications. If you're pro-life on abortion, then, then that also means you should be pro-life everywhere else and you, know, you get into even topics like pornography and all these other things there, there's a question there that the dignity and value of human life so it is important that we're consistent as as pro-lifers and we can talk about that but we still but it starts with the abortion issue and then it goes on to these other important but sort of lesser issues
Right, right. Now, uh, another thing you brought up at your talk, the the hysteria over, I think it was Harambi, the, the gorilla who was, was shot because a three-year-old boy had fallen into his pen and he's dragging him around. It looked like he, you know, he probably easily could have killed the boy, uh, so they shot him and he died. Or, or Cecil the lion shot, perhaps unjustly, by a hunter. But mass hysteria around the world over that, and yet... Compared to that, there seems to be very little reaction whatsoever to the death of millions of uh, helpless human babies. And and what does that really say about our culture? I know it's a big question, but, just, you know, a good question. What does that say about where we are as a culture? Well, I think the most basic thing it says is that we're very confused. We're a very confused culture. And, we're, we're, we're you know, we don't have our priorities straight. I think I think that's pretty clear. If you want to go deeper than that and talk about how, like I was talking about in speech, it's something I've thought about quite a bit is, I mean, getting into the psychology of it, getting into someone's head, you know, looking at a person who really gets upset about the death of a gorilla or the death of a lion or a tree or whatever, but doesn't feel upset about the death of, of, uh, of a million babies a year, or in fact is enthusiastic about it, applauds it. Now, how do you really explain that? You know, how do you get inside their head and, and explain that dichotomy? And the, oh, I don't know if I'm right about this, but the only answer that I can come to is that it's sort of like, you know, in their souls, they recognize that, that, that life is sacred and they have this really deep thirst and craving to, to cherish life because we all do. We, we all want to cherish life. That's something that's innate inside all of us. But because, you know, they, they've decided that abortion is okay, they have to sort of channel all of that into these other areas. And so they become almost sort of absurdly pro-animal rights because that's where all of their – all the energy is, is channeled in that direction. Because I think they know that if they focus on – abortion and if they because i think to to focus on abortion or or to accept that human life is sacred and that abortion is wrong that brings with it all kinds of implications about morality and about sexual morality and existence of god and all these things and it's it's a very scary situation where their entire worldview kind of comes crumbling down so abortion is to the acceptance of abortion is is critical to pro abortion person's entire worldview so they have to accept that, and then they channel all that energy into into animals and the environment and that sort of thing. So that's the only answer that I've come to for sort of strange dichotomy. And I, I think you're right. And I remember when you were saying that, it occurred to me, my daughter right now is in theology studying the hierarchy of being and the, the idea that at creation, God created things in order, and he finished with human beings, and we were the crowning achievement of all creation and so we are the most important aspect of creation and we should live accordingly we're, we're higher than the animals we're lower than god that puts us in a place but to to see that and to believe that as you were saying in your, in your talk affects the way you're going to live it affects the way you're going to see the universe affects the way you see your own humanity and it will certainly affect the way you see abortion and several other issues really it brings in the entire Christian moral code is, 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 is ushered in once you accept that human life is, is sacred. Because then the question is, you know, why is it sacred? Where does that, where does that 
meaning? Where did that sacredness come from? Of course, if we're all just random products of uh, just mistakes, if we're all just really dust and mud in, in the end, and then we came from nothingness and we're going back to nothingness, then then no life matters, then nothing matters, and, and we should all just be nihilists, really, and, and live that way. Right. But very few people, very few people can live that way. Very few people can accept that, even if that's what they're, even if that's really what their philosophy means, even if that's the implications of their personal philosophy, they, they can't accept that. They can't live that way. You, you can't live thinking that nothing matters in the world. You have to think that some things matter. So they can't completely embrace it because it's, it's a really hard thing to do. But if they did, then here comes God and here comes everything else. And like I said, it's a, it's a scary proposition. I know atheists who are not hedonists too much. They're not really that bad of people. And it, it always struck me like, well, if I was an atheist, I think I'd just be a total debauched hellion because why not? <laughs> I think G.K. Chesterton wrote some, a poem to that effect about my, my atheist friend who doesn't seem to enjoy his freedom to sin all he wants, and why not? And it's kind of strange. And, and if I didn't believe in God, then let all hell break loose. But because we do, we, we know there is an order to things and we live accordingly. Now, you also in your talk, you refer to liberalism or progressivism as secular Satanism, which was fascinating and, and powerful. Can you explain a little bit more about what you mean by that? Yeah, I think if you look at, which I wouldn't recommend doing, but if you go to like the Church of Satan website yes. and you look at their mission statement, you're going to find that you know, for actual Satanists, people that actually call themselves Satanists, most of them are not theological Satanists. They don't believe that there's actually a, a devil. They're not, they're not, they don't think they're worshiping a literal devil, even though they are, but they don't think they are. What they really believe is is just you should live your life just doing what you want and that and that we are the highest creatures in the universe and as individuals the self is all that matters and you should just please yourself do what you will is the whole of the law i think is the satanist maxim do what you will hmm. and that's what we call liberalism these days modern liberalism that's what liberalism is and that's that's what liberals believe you just you do what you want and this is what i want to do so i should be able to do it and that's how they really justify almost all of their positions on everything, from abortion to sexuality, gay marriage, everything. They justify it by saying, well, this is what I want to do. Why, why shouldn't I be able to do what I want to do? It's what I want to do, after all. That's their whole justification. And that is, so when I say that's Satanism, I'm not, I'm not being flip or trying to be funny. That literally is Satanism. That's what Satanism is. And yeah. if you go back to, we understand as Christians that we go back to, you know, through Christian tradition to the beginning of time, to before the beginning of time, that's what we believe is that, that, that the rebellion in heaven was you had some angels who did not want to worship God. They wanted to put themselves first and they wanted to put their own desires and their own power first. And, and that's how we ended up with hell. And throughout the ages, many human beings have made a, a similar declaration and Whatever label we want to put on that, at the end of the day, what it is, is Satan. It's really amazing, pretty chilling, actually, that it's so mundane, so insidious, close to home, This what Satanism really is, as you're describing it, and you're right. I mean, you think of it as this ancient, bizarre thing that nobody really does that, but on one level, it's it's all around us, and and, and then also we're seeing more explicit kind of theatrical Satanism with these, the temples going up and the statues and the desecrations. It's, it's really bizarre. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm 51. I've never seen anything like that in my lifetime. And now it's becoming almost commonplace. 
And but it, it, when you drew that parallel to basically just self over God, well, yeah, that's really quite common. We're just kind of recognizing it now for what it is. And thank you for bringing that to light because I, I think that gives us all a good warning of what's really going on here. You had a, a recent blog post you call it was called Real Men Are Pro Life, which was awesome. And in it, you say that men who consider themselves pro-choice have rejected their manhood and they've in effect castrated themselves, which I agree with, but for those who haven't read this, uh, how how is being a pro-choice man rejecting your manhood? In a few different senses. In a more literal sense, although we're told as men that we should have no opinion about abortion because it doesn't involve us, that's just one of the more absurd statements that you that you hear so often because, of course, every baby that's ever come into existence, whether it was aborted or, or, or it was allowed to be born, every single one has been the product of both a man and a woman. So. True to kind of, as men, to remove our, to act like we're removed from the process of reproduction. We're, we're almost literally cutting off our manhood in that, in that sense. But in another sense, we, to be a man, it, it means more than just that we can reproduce with a female. It means more than just our anatomy and our biology, although that, it does mean that as well. But there's, there's more that comes with that. And, and being a man means showing leadership, moral leadership. It means being protective. It means protecting the, the vulnerable and the helpless, especially women and children. And throughout history, this has been almost every culture and every society has agreed up until recently that this is one of the, the primary functions of a man is to protect, provide shelter for, to protect women and children. And when we just kind of stand to the side and allow these children to be killed, we're rejecting our calling as men. And not only because we're, we're not protecting the children, but we're also not protecting these women. I mean, a lot of these women that get abortions are being preyed upon by the abortion industry. And in the process, their souls are in jeopardy. You know, they're, they're being led into a very, very dark, evil sin, the worst sin, killing your own child. That's where they're being led. And as men, we should be not only for the children, but for the women too. We should be standing up and saying no and, and protecting them from this choice that they're about to make. And so when we stand to the side and just yawn and say, oh, it's none of our business, to say that we're rejecting our manhood is the, is the, is the, the kindest way that I could put it, because I really find it disgusting and, and despicable. And these men who do this, I just, men, we don't have the same excuse that women do. And, and not that women are excused, but you can have women who are maybe have an 18 year old woman and very poor. And she, she's, she's very poor neighborhood and she's ignorant. She doesn't. And, and she goes to these abortion clinics and, and everyone's abandoned her. And her. Her parents don't want anything to do with it. The father's out of the picture and she's just being pulled in and preyed upon by the abortion industry. That doesn't make it okay, obviously, but she is the one who's sort of in the thick of it. But as men, we don't even have that excuse. You know, what's our excuse? We're not really being preyed upon. We don't, we don't have to fear. We don't have that same kind of fear. So for us, we're just sitting off in the background, just out of pure, I don't know what it is, just pure laziness and, and, and selfishness. And I just think it's deplorable. Paints a very ugly picture, but a very true picture and something 
for everyone to think about. All right, well, let me, uh, we're going to take a quick break here, and then we'll come back. We're talking to Matt Walsh of TheBlaze.com and the MattWalshBlog.com. Matt's a writer, speaker on pro-life issues and several other issues, and a, and a fantastic insight, a fantastic mind on, on all these issues. So anyway, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back on Men of Christ Radio with Matt Walsh right after this. Hi, I'm Father Nathan Caswell. I'm a member of the Canons Regular of St. John Cantius. Catholic Radio is important because it reaches so many people who otherwise would not be exposed to the Gospel. I love whenever I am driving and I get into the reach of WSFI. Every time I'm edified, I'm built up, there's something that happens and between the words that are said on the radio and the Holy Spirit working within me, there's this connection made and I'm always brought closer to God. It's so valuable. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Are you retired or near retirement? Do you want to keep a larger amount of your assets in a safe place with guaranteed interest rates to protect yourself from a huge market swing? Are you amazed at how low the interest rates are at your bank? If you said yes to any or all of those questions, you may want to call me, Matt Tomlinson, at Catholic Financial Life to discuss our guaranteed fixed rate annuities. Call 847-548-MATT, 847-548-6288. Products not available in all states. Did you know that you can listen to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio from anywhere in the world? Our live internet stream is available at wsfiradio.org. Just click on Listen Live. We also stream on the TuneIn mobile app for your smartphone or tablet. For iPhone and iPad users, visit the App Store, download the TuneIn app, sign up for a free account, and then search for WSFI. Click Follow to add us to your profile. For Android users, visit the Google Play Store, download the TuneIn app, sign up for a free account, and then search for WSFI. Click Follow to add us to your profile. Need help? Call us at 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. Listen at 7 o'clock p.m. every Tuesday to WSFI Spotlight, a half-hour conversation with outstanding Catholics from our community and around the world. WSFI Spotlight re-airs on Saturday at 3.30 p.m. or listen on demand anytime by subscribing to our podcast. Visit wsfiradio.org for more information. It's WSFI Spotlight, a conversation with Catholics living in the light. Only on WSFI Catholic Radio, Tuesdays at 7 o'clock p.m. Look down upon me, O good and sweetest Jesus, while before your face I humbly kneel. Most fervently I pray and beg you to fix deep within my heart lively sediments of faith, hope, and charity, true sorrow for my sins, and a firm purpose of amendment. With deep affection and sorrow, I contemplate your five wounds I have before my eyes. What David the prophet spoke of you, as though you were saying it yourself, they have pierced my hands and my feet. They have numbered 
all my bones. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. All right, we're back on Men of Christ Radio. My name is Brian Farley, and we're talking with Mr. Matt Walsh of the Matt Walsh blog on theblaze.com. And we're talking about abortion primarily. Matt just spoke at the Pro-Life Wisconsin dinner and did an excellent job, really in- insightful talk, challenging talk. In fact, Matt, uh, I, I would think a high compliment. A friend of mine was there and he said, you know who he reminds me of? C.S. Lewis. He just has a way of really boiling the truth down into to understandable sentences and, and delivers it really clearly and with some humor and a, and a lot of power. So anyway, just want well, to let you know. I, I'm sure I'm not at all uh, deserving of that compliment, but I, I appreciate it. <laughs> Well, it's, I, I, I agree, though. I, mean, I just, I'm a big C.S. Lewis fan, and I'm a fan of yours, too. Now, again, we were just talking a little bit about a blog post you just did, which is, I think, pretty relevant to our, our audience here, Men of Christ audience, Real Men Are Pro-Life, and talking about how pro-choice choice men are rejecting their manhood, uh, in effect, castrating themselves, really very cowardly thing to do. And your answer on that was, was excellent. And I, it reminds me, as you were talking at the, at the dinner about that, St. Thomas Aquinas has a definition of the effeminate man as, quote, one who withdraws from good on account of sorrow caused by a lack of pleasure. So he just doesn't want to do stuff because it's not pleasurable. So I'm not going to do that. And, and you know, I'm sorry to say I know a lot of guys like that. I kind of grew up with a lot of guys like that in the suburbs in our modern American era and try not to be that way myself. But do we see something of an a- a- epidemic of this kind of effeminacy in our, our, our world today? I mean, it's all about having that man cave and it seems like manhood more and more is defined by television, video games, beer, sports, and porn. This seems to be a like a serious problem. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, we, we certainly see it in our, I can't speak for, for other cultures as much, but sure it's a problem there as well. But in our culture, which I've been steeped in, as we all have, I, I could uh, certainly say it's, it's been a huge problem. And as men, I think all, all of us, we all understand the pull towards being lazy and withdrawn. We all understand that. We, we understand the temptation and we're filled with, we're surrounded constantly. It's, it's, a diff, it's difficult to be a man in this culture. It's very difficult. It's difficult to be a woman too, but just speaking as a man, I could say it's difficult to be a man. And there's, there's so much in our culture that seems to be specifically geared towards taking advantage of our weaker tendencies. We know about just, just the sex is everywhere, just everywhere you turn, sex, 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 sex. On top of that, just the, the screens are everywhere, the computer, the video games. And so you really have to make an effort, make a concerted effort to say, I'm going to put this stuff to the side and do something that will be mentally challenging, spiritually challenging, physically challenging. And, and of course, it wouldn't, have been an e- it wouldn't have been easy to be a man, say, back in the pioneer times. That would not have been easy either. But at the same time, you didn't really have much of a choice. Like you had to be a man if you right. lived in a, if you lived in the 1840s, and you were a man. Well, you had to be a man. You had to go out and hunt and farm and hit the Oregon Trail to go look for gold or whatever. That's what you had to do, and or you would die. And in, in this culture, being a man is really a choice. You, you have to choose to be a man, 
purposefully, actively. And when there are so many other options that are so much easier, that's a difficult choice to make. And I, and I do think, I mean, look, even I get myself into trouble sometimes when I, when I start talking about like video games and I don't play video games personally. And it's not the biggest problem in the world of all things we're talking about, but I think it's one issue where we just see men who spend so much of their time playing with toys Mm -hmm. and not only should we not be doing that, but as men, our tastes should develop and, and, and mature. When we become a man, we put away childish things. That, that should be happening. And it doesn't seem to be happening at all. Because you have, it seems like in this culture, we have 35-year-old men who have the exact same tastes as 12-year-old boys. It's, their tastes have not changed at all. They still like superheroes and, and video games and watching TV. And that's, you know, that's what they did when they were 12, so they do when they're 35. And that's, I just think that's a, it's a problem. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 depressing. It's scary. I've I've got a um, couple of nephews, mid twenties, and they were on a kind of a promising track for a while, but now it seems like more settling into just uh, staying at home and the video games and the whole kind of cartoon stereotype that people say. But it really happens a lot, and it's they're right at the prime. They should be they're, they're robust young men. They should be out there starting to try and own the world. And like, nah, I'm just going to sit around and watch TV and play my games. And it's, it's really uh, demoralizing for everybody. It's <laughs> just that, that defeat of the masculine. It, it, it affects more than just the, the person themselves. I think you made the point that, cause I was going to ask, how did this come to pass in our culture? But I suppose a lot of it's you know, we're sort of victims of our own success, uh, technologically advanced society, all kinds of conveniences, good security systems. You don't need to be a man in the way that you had to be back in the, in the pioneering days, where if you were kind of feckless and lazy, you'd probably die. Now, eh, you could be just a drip and get along fine for quite some time if, if you want to. So it needs to be more of a choice. We can't put it all off on, on technology. Of course, that's just the crutch that we use. It makes it harder because we have these temptations there. But the real culprit in the decline of masculinity, it's the same culprit in the decline of femininity, which is also a problem. But I think women are more equipped to, to speak on that than I am. But in both both cases, the real culprit is is that we are you know a post Christian society, and we're not a we're not a society driven by Christian morals anymore, and and so we're kind of lost, and we don't have. I know we think it's very enlightened and progressive that we don't, we've gotten rid of things like gen, so-called gender roles. But the whole reason we had those was because we sort of have to know what we're supposed to be doing. Like, I have a basic idea of the kind of role that we are supposed to fulfill in society. And now we don't have any idea at all. So we're all just kind of drifting along and, and doing everything and doing nothing at the same time. And so I think that the technology becomes an outlet but the real culprit is that we're a, a society without an identity, without a Christian identity specifically. That's an excellent point. The underlying motivation or demotivation causing so much of this. In your, your article, Real Men Are Pro-Life, I just want to quote something here because and then ask a question based on it. But you write, Planned Parenthood pretends to empower women 
but it's men of this sort, the men we've been talking about who prefer comfort, convenience over the rigors of parenthood, men of this sort who've always been the primary beneficiary of Planned Parenthood services. Men get free, free sex. Men get an escape hatch from responsibility. Men get to maintain their easy lifestyles. They don't have to deal with any of the physical side effects. Abortion is a gift to deadbeats, which is why deadbeats are such ardent supporters of it. So not only is that a, a powerful quote, but also I don't understand why people, particularly women, don't see this. I mean, you know, at least the, the pro-abortion women. I mean, it's such a screaming irony that <laughs> this is – it's just a gift to male irresponsibility and yet they – that seems to be one of their, their, their biggest complaints is irresponsible men and yet <laughs> – they're, they're just feeding it with this kind of thing. There's, again, there's a huge disconnect here. It's hard to see how they don't how they don't see that. But it's the same thing with look. You have a lot of feminists that will say that a porn star, for instance, is empowered. She's an empowered woman because she's wielding her sexuality, using it how she pleases. But really, what's happening is that she's being used. She's allowing herself to be used and to be treated as an object for male satisfaction. And that, so to call that empowering is, is of course absurd. And it's the same thing with abortion, that abortion allows men to use women and then to toss them and their children aside. And not only that, but we're also talking about rapists and pedophiles. I mean, this is how many rapists and pedophiles have been able to use Planned Parenthood to, to get rid of the evidence of their crime. So many. So I just think it's, I think that a feminist would must at some level understand that because they do, they, they are constantly talking about the objectification of women right. and the commodification of, of, of womanhood. They talk about that a lot and they're right that that happens and it's a big problem. But then when it gets to something like abortion, all of a sudden they don't talk about it anymore. And I'm sure they must realize that it's a conflict contradiction, but, to them, abortion is just too important. So I guess in their mind, it's kind of like collateral damage that they're willing to put up with. Yeah. Uh, in this one area, they're, they're going to let the, the deadbeat men get away with it because abortion is too important to them personally to be consistent. It's, it's almost like a comedic irony. I mean, if I can expand it, and maybe I'm wrong in doing that, but I, I think like a lot of the current fashions, too, are under the claim that it's oh, women are empowered to dress however they want and, and they are but the way they so many are dressing now it's you're kind of like the way whores used to dress in the 90s frankly and and so the men are just like yeah cool and you're not you're certainly not respecting yourself as a woman and it, it, look at the co cover of cosmopolitan magazine or something and this has been going on for decades but how is that a woman's magazine i mean i look at that and i think well this is soft porn and not all that soft but it's considered a woman's magazine and i've just never understood that 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 irony to me it's again it's almost slapstick comedy the modern notion of sexuality is one of i guess mutual exploitation and so i think the feminists know you know they, they know that look when they're dressing in that way in a provocative way that that men are getting a kick out of it but at the same time i think that they believe that they're exercising power over men by using their sexuality, that they're, that they are also exploiting men at the same time. 
and that's kind of true. So it's it's yeah. a mutual. It's using each other. Really, is what's going on. And men and women in this culture are using each other, and and it's kind of just a mutual agreement that we've come to. And both feel like they're exerting power, but at the same time, they're both powerless and they're both being used by the other. So it's just, I don't know. It's a bad situation all around. Yeah, and it gets back to your point about the loss of Christian morals is is leading to the decline of masculinity and femininity. And we're, yeah, we're just kind of animals using each other at this point. And even animals don't really do that. I, one last question for you. You, you wrapped up at the, the uh, pro-life Wisconsin gala talking about a kind of a new freedom that we all have. We who, well, if we have to accept this, but the freedom in that you really don't have to worry about trying to conform anymore. If you, if you embrace your, your Catholic faith and it's just accept the fact that, hey, we're going to be likely going to be persecuted, likely going to be considered freaks, stand up for the truth. There, there's a freedom in that. Could you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I think there is a, a freedom in it. I, I guess it's it's kind of, it's interesting when you look at Christ's words. On one hand, he told us many times that we will be persecuted for our faith and that we're going to be hated and we're going to be slapped and spit upon and said all of this many times. Yeah. And in fact, at Calvary, when he took up his cross, he, he was showing us what we would also have to go through and taking up our own crosses. But at the same time, he also talks about, and I believe it's in Matthew, he talks about, you know, look at the lilies of the field, look at the birds. They're, they're not worried about tomorrow because God will take care of them. So don't, don't worry about tomorrow. Just, just take care of, of today and, and, and don't worry. So on one hand, he's saying, don't worry. On the other hand, he's saying, you're going to be persecuted and slapped and killed. Um, it's, it's a, how, do those, how, are we, how are we not supposed to worry if we know that's going to happen? And yeah. I think the answer is that, that God will take care of us. Let, let, let God's will take over. Just accept the fact that some of these things are going to happen, but we, should be, but we shouldn't be seeking approval from the world in the first place because there's no – so it doesn't matter. So they, they, the world is going to hate us, and they're going to laugh at us and spit at us. But who cares? That, that's the world. These are people that are misguided, and that's the world standards. Who cares what they think? what we we're, we're seeking God's approval. And so when we live that way, we know that God will take care of us. We know that there's a deeper joy that we'll experience and a, a, a place of ultimate joy that we're ultimately headed to. And along the way, just don't worry, but don't, don't, don't worry about, well, how am I going to do that? But also make sure that I'm fitting in and I have friends. I don't forfeit any job opportunities yeah. and you know, I don't upset anybody on Facebook. It's just, <laughs> When you, when you look at that and you stack it up against what we're really shooting for, it's, su it's such a small thing in comparison. So it is, kind of a, it is kind of a freeing thing when you just accept what God said, that we're going to be persecuted. Fine. Okay. That's the case. And let's just move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, is an odd insight or experience, but it's true. Comforting in, 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 a, in an odd way. So great, great. Well, thank you very much, Matt. I do want to ask, I know your, your wife is very close to giving birth, I believe. Any, any progress there or is she? She's holding on and at the moment, but we're told any day now. So Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, God bless you guys and we'll pray for you. And again, thanks for all you do. Again, the, the Matt Walsh blog, you can read them on theblaze.com, folks. And it's great stuff. Very insightful, very powerful. And I wish you every success. And I'll be rooting from you from my little cube as I, I read your, uh, your, your columns when they come in. So anyway, thanks so much, Matt. And God bless you. And we will hopefully talk to you again through Men of Christ one of these days soon. Yeah, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.
Oh, that was great. I love Matt Walsh and love what he does. Very powerful stuff. And it hit me while we were talking that today's reading, we're recording this episode. I'm sorry to break this to you, but this isn't a live show. It's actually pre-recorded. I'm sure you didn't know that. Anyway, today's reading, October 25th, really kind of speaks to this. It's it's that controversial one that makes husbands and wives very uncomfortable when it's read. Ephesians 5, brothers and sisters, be subordinate to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, be subordinate to their husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of his wife, just as Christ is the head of the church. Everybody starts squirming about this. So wives should be subordinate to their husbands in everything. Husbands, says St. Paul, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and handed himself over for her to sanctify her. This speaks to authentic masculinity, as the prior point speaks to authentic femininity. Now, I know, again, our modern American minds, we bristle at this. It's about mutual submission to each other, and it's about mutual sacrifice. And the feminine does it in one way, the masculine does it in another. Since this is Men of Christ Radio, I would speak to the men saying, what this says is men... Be obedient to God, and thus be obedient to your wives in the sense of sacrificing yourselves for her, as Christ sacrificed himself for the church. Christ, obviously, part of that involved a rather violent and bloody physical end, but that probably won't be the case for most of us. But I think the point is you sacrifice yourself for your wife every day through what we might call white martyrdom, by sacrificing your desire, your will, your whim, what you want to do, and do what needs to be done. Again, this speaks to the masculinity that Matt was talking about. It's not about your comfort or your pleasure or what you feel like doing. It's about what needs to be done, and you sacrifice accordingly. And there was a great homily by St. John Chrysostom about this very reading. I think it's very helpful for men. And again, I think it speaks to this whole theme of obedience and masculinity. So I'll just kind of quickly go through this. St. John Chrysostom, he says, pay attention to love's high standard. If you take the premise that your wife should submit to you as the church submits to Christ, then you should also take the same kind of careful, sacrificial thought for her that Christ takes for the church. Even if you must offer your own life for her, you must not refuse. Even if you must undergo countless struggles on her behalf and have all kinds of things to endure and suffer, you must not refuse. Even if you suffer all this, you still have not done as much as Christ has done for the church. For you are already married when you act this way, whereas Christ is acting for one who has rejected and hated him. So just as he, when she was rejecting and hating and spurning and nagging him, brought her to trust him by his great solicitude, not by threatening or lording it over her or intimidating her or anything like that, so you must also act toward your wife." Even if you see her looking down on you, nagging and despising you, you will be able to win her over with your great love and affection for her. That's not easy to do, but that's what we mean by real masculinity. And it's a far cry from these clowns sitting on the sidelines with their video games saying, yeah, go ahead, get an abortion. That's cool. I don't care. Whatever. That's what we're called to be, men. All of us, certainly men of Christ, are called to be that. So 
there you have it. That's my homily for today. Plagiarized from St. John Chrysostom. Not too bad, I don't think. Anyway, great, great. Well, thank you all very much for listening. I've enjoyed the show. Again, big fan of Matt Walsh. I hope you are too. So do read his stuff on theblaze.com and the Matt Walsh blog. We're going to wrap it up for today. And as we always like to do, I'll do that with a prayer to St. Michael. So please join me in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. St. Michael, the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, everybody. Well, thank you very, very much for listening. We'll be back again soon on Men of Christ Radio on WSFI Catholic Radio 88.5 FM. Thanks very much to our great producer, Mr. Bill Snyder, and we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Men of Christ Radio on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. For more information on this or any other radio program, visit wsfiradio.org or email info at wsfiradio.org. To learn more about the Men of Christ, visit menofchrist.net. The Long View by Archbishop Oscar Romero It helps now and then to step back and take a long view. The kingdom is not only beyond our efforts, it's even beyond our vision. We accomplish in our lifetime only a tiny fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing we do is complete, which is a way of saying that the kingdom always lies beyond us. No statement says all that could be said. No prayer fully expresses our faith. No confession brings perfection. No pastoral visit brings wholeness. No program accomplishes the Church's mission. No set of goals and objectives includes everything. This is what we are about. We plant the seeds that one day will grow. We water seeds already planted, knowing they hold future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces far beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything, and there is a sense of liberation in realizing that. This enables us to do something, and to do it very well. It may be incomplete, but it is a beginning, a step along the way, an opportunity for the Lord's grace to enter and to do the rest. We may never see the end results, but that is the difference between the master builder and the worker. We are workers not master builders, ministers, not messiahs. We are prophets of a future, not our own. Amen. Want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MATT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. Are you enjoying this WSFI local program? 
and want to share it with others? Visit WSFICatholicRadio.org and click on Listen, Then Programming. That's WSFI Catholic Radio. Listen, then programming. Hello, I am Bishop Don Hying from the Diocese of Gary, Indiana. Catholic Radio has a remarkable reach into the minds and hearts of all sorts of people who may not be going to church, who may not have any other connection to learning about the faith. I know so many people have grown in the Catholic faith because they listen to Catholic Radio. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. 